Nobody's on yet. What year, Alan? What is that? Nine. In her office, in her room.
Hi, welcome to the uh, 2020 Mindset Leadership Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen, and today I'm really, really excited to talk with an old-time friend of mine, a former former Payson Lion, uh, a Snow College Badger, a Southern Utah Thunderbird, and now the head coach for the Portland State Vikings, Barrett Peary. Barrett, you're, you're the head coach now. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. It's been a long time. It's great seeing you, man. I know, man. You, you, you've been uh, you've been doing some some really really tough work, and I, you know, I've been following you from afar. I follow you on Twitter. I do some of those things to kind of keep up with some of my old friends. But um, you know, today we're talking a little bit about leadership and mindset and some different things like that. But I think one of the things that sticks out to me as I'm as I remember where you come from, where you've been, is you're just, you're tremendously mentally tough in my opinion. But I guess my question is, how do you think mental toughness has guided you not only through your own athletic career, which you started at a small snow college when you were playing, but then as well in your coaching career, I mean, you've been to junior colleges. I remember you were at CSI and then you were coaching for the University of Utah, then back to a junior college and now you're the head coach. I mean, there's some resilience and some grit and some tenacity to you that I think you you could share some insights with us. You know, yeah, it's uh, I get tired when you when you when you start saying that journey because I feel worn out. But <laughs> probably the one that's more mentally tough than me is my wife. My parents would always say that my wife's a lot tougher than I am because she's okayed all these different moves. But <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. I don't think you can do any of those things without a lot of passion for something. And I always joke about coaching being a bad addiction. You know, it, it, it's a bad drug addiction. And, and uh, we, we've tried to get out of it uh, once or twice. And, and you circle right back to it. But, you know, my first job was at Snow College for about, I, I, think, I think it was $12,000. And uh, no benefits. And, on, and really, the only reason I was getting paid the $12,000 working for John Judkins 25 years ago down there was because I was the summer programs director. And that was how they paid you to be an assistant coach. I was there for a year. I went to Utah Valley, worked for Jeff Reinert, uh, went down to Southern Utah, back to Southern Utah where I played and, and worked there for four years, uh, went to the NCAA tournament, left there. I actually came up here to Portland for one year and worked for a good buddy of mine, Heath Schroyer, for a year. Oh, wow. I got an opportunity to go to CSI. I was at CSI for five years. We had a great run there. We went to Utah with Jim Boylan, who's now the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. And, uh, we had some good teams there. It ended not the way we wanted it to. And um, so we were back in junior college at Indian Hills in Iowa. And, uh, you know, you talk about mental toughness. I remember sitting there at our kitchen table. Um, you know, when we got fired at Utah, we, we got done with the Mountain West Tournament on a Friday night. We got beat by San Diego State, who had a great team and went to the NCAA Tournament. We were in our conference room at the Huntsman Center right there, meeting as a staff, talking about where we were all going recruiting. Jim and I were, uh, were going to go to uh, Hutchison, Kansas for the National Junior College Tournament the next day, go Sunday, and then recruit on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. And uh, he got called down to the big guy's office and came back about 45 minutes later, and we had a staff meeting, and we were all fired. And um, I remember thinking, okay, what now? And I went home that Saturday afternoon, and 
news travels fast, as you know. So by the time I got home, my wife had gotten probably called by like five or six people. And she'd probably even gotten through her tears. And I was sitting in my living room the next day. It was the, it was Sunday now. And tomorrow, Monday was going to be the first time I hadn't had a job in, you know, ever since we got out of college when we weren't grownups anymore. And, um, I was really like in a panic. And so uh, I, I uh, made a flight to go to Hutchison, Kansas to go recruiting, bumped into a couple buddies and I'm just trying to just network and see what's going on. And uh, bumped into a couple buddies of mine from the Midwest and, and were talking to me about this job at Indian Hills in, in Ottumwa, Iowa, which was a job very similar to CSI. And uh, one thing led to another, and like eight or nine days later, I was the head coach at uh, Indian Hills, another great national junior, junior college program. But I learned a bunch of stuff along the way with that, and I th I'm sure we'll get into that. <clears throat> you know, five or six years earlier, when I was the head coach at CSI, the president from Indian Hills had been watching our teams, and he loved our teams, liked how we played, and I think he liked some of the things that we did as a coaching staff. And he remembered that. And it's always been something that I've been able to use with our players is that you never know who's watching. And every day is a job interview and always be at your best because I had no idea that the president of Indian Hills was watching my teams at CSI play and put it in the back of his brain that he liked that coach and he liked their style of play. And if one thing led to another, maybe I'll talk to that coach someday. But sure enough, I was out of a job and he just flat out said, coach, We've had 100 people apply, this and that, whatever. We got it down to 16, and then we got it down to eight, and then your name came across my desk. He said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, President, I'm fired. I said, I'm doing what, you know, whatever you want me to do. So I hopped on a flight and went out there and interviewed, and we got the job a few days after that. So you learn a lot about being a pro and being who you're supposed to be all the time, and you never know who's watching. And so one of those things that we use in our huddles quite a bit here at Portland State and whenever, wherever I've been a head coach is – Every day is a job interview. Be at your best. Every day is a job interview. So after Indian Hills, we went to Arizona State. I was with Herb Sendak there for one year. And he, he got a new – Herb was at NC State when I was there. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, 10 years at NC State, another nine or 10 years at Arizona State. Got there um, at Arizona State. We had, a good, we had a good run. We got a new contract in January, but we also got a new boss. And uh, we went to the NIT and beat UConn, took fifth, fifth in the Pac-12, beat UConn at the end of the year, came home uh, and got fired. And so we were job searching again. And um, then we ended up at Santa Clara with her and then came here three years ago. So uh, my wife has a lot more mental toughness probably than me, and I tell her all the time that she's, she's the tough one in the family. But um, we've given a lot and, and had to be tough in some, some challenging situations. Most of the moves have obviously been for positive reasons and opportunities that were better than what we had. But, you know, we've been through a couple firings where the boss got fired, and so it was time to move. Yeah. So I, I really like what you say that every day is a job interview. When I'm when I'm when I'm talking to my colleagues in the field of sports psychology, and when I'm talking to athletes, I, you know, we're we're constantly talking to each other and reminding each other. And I think this fits in with what you were saying. Is just whatever you are, be a good one. If you're if you're a sports psychology consultant for a nine year old soccer team, be the best sports psychology consultant you can be for that team because you don't know who's watching, right? You don't know how that's not going to connect two years, three years, four years later. And I know when I was coaching high school football, I was like, hey, I know 
I know that, you know, Bo Diddley Tech isn't your favorite school, but be real nice to that coach because you don't know that he's not coaching at Nebraska before this recruiting season is over, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I think you're right. Like every single thing you do, every single thing that you are participating in is, you know, and, and sometimes I tell people, even, even, even if you're not in sales, you're in sales because you're selling somebody and they're, they're either looking at your body language and your attitude and going, man, this is somebody I want to be around. Or they're like, dude, that, that's sorry, dude. I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with that guy. Right. Yeah. And, and, and on, you know, it's that old energy giver or life sucker type deal, you know, life giver or life sucker. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, I spent a year out of basketball after Arizona state, we were getting paid and, uh, I had a couple different friends reach out and they gave me, uh, real life jobs, not coaching jobs, but real life jobs. I was, I was, uh, uh, we had moved back to twin falls where CSI is after Arizona state for that year. And I was, uh, representing a company that was selling a shooting machine, a good buddy of mine back in the Midwest. And then uh, president of a bank there in Twin Falls, who was a great supporter of ours when I was the head coach at CSI, hired me to be his business banking development officer. And that was just being a representative and touching clients and playing golf and going to lunch and doing those kinds of things. And the two easiest jobs I'd ever had. And my wife was happy as can be. And it was the worst year of my life. And because I wasn't doing what I had passion for. And, and, all, and uh, you know, you talk about coaching and things like that. If you're going to do it, do it to your very best. That year I coached third and fourth grade flag football for my son. And the reason I ended, the reason I ended up being the coach was because I heard the moms talking, saying, okay, maybe my husband can take the Tuesday practices and your husband could take the Thursday practices and this and that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not how it works. That's how it works. You guys get out of the way. I got it. I got it. I got like, it. Stay out of the way. I got it. I got it. And I'm telling you right now, we were 7-0 and that year. I'm telling you right now that those games meant just as much on Saturday morning as any other game because either you're competitive or you're not. And every day is a job interview. And I didn't want to put a bad flag, fo flag, flag football product on the field. So we practiced hard all the time. And then games were important. Dude, I love it. You're a championship football coach, hey, too. I, and you're I can tell you right now, that 7-0 and on that year was on, on my resume. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So, obviously, I mean, you know, and, I, and I've talked about how mentally tough I think you are and how fun it is. Um, I, think it, I think it carries over to the players that you're, you're, you're trying to recruit. Um, is there a way to recognize mental toughness? Do you feel – do you feel that you can teach mental toughness to players or, or is it something that they have or don't have? You know, before the mental toughness, I always try to figure out like their energy and their passion and um, their motor, you know, cause I think all that, the motor, the mental toughness, the energy, the passion, those all go hand in hand. I've always been that guy that, you know, I'd much rather have to slow a guy down than try to rev him up and speed him up. You know, those guys that when you come down on the practice court or on the field or whatever it may be, and, hey, get your shoes tied. Hey, let's get going. Hey, get your jersey on. Let's get rolling. You know, you played with them. I played with them, and we, we both coached them. Those guys don't make it very long, and they don't help you be successful. You know, we had a, we had a guy here my first year 
who I loved to death. And he was a guy that had a really challenging past when, when, and long before I got here from, from a really tough neighborhood in East St. Louis, a kid named Brandon Holland. So I loved to death. And he was, he, he, you know, people thought he was crazy. You know, he was a wilder kid and this and that, but he had great energy and great passion and was competitive and was tough. And, you know, I can always go to war with guys like that. I can go to battle with those guys that have a little edge and have some passion. And, you know, every now and again, you got to sub them and say, hey, take a breath, relax a little bit. We'll get you back in there, get some water, chill out. You know, it's those guys that you have to rev them up and wonder if they're on time for weights or wonder if they're on time for class and have energy and passion for the day. I struggle with those guys because if you're not if you're not passionate, you're not mentally tough about things, it's not going to mean enough to you, you know, because, you know, we always talk about it, whether it's practice or a game for those two hours, you know, it's the most important thing you can be doing. And for those two hours, yeah, it is life and death. And when the game's over, it's okay. We're going to get pizza and this and that, and everything will calm down. And whether we won or lost, eventually we'll be smiling. But the guys that you have to really want to make them care and make them, make them think that it's really important. I struggle. I struggle with those guys. And so when you're out recruiting and, and you're out talking to their coaches and their families and people that are connected to them, I think you really have to ask hard questions about, you know, how competitive is he? How, how, how much does he care? Is he tough? You know, you know, you go back to some of those, you know, Urban Meyer's my, my guy. He's my favorite coach in any sport. And I hate the fact that he's not coaching right now because wherever he's been coaching, whether it was when he was at Utah and I went down to Utah or Florida or Ohio State and wherever his next place is, because he better not stay out of coaching. But, you know, all his stuff has that, you know, <coughs> that ERO, you know, how you respond to things, you know, event response and outcome and, and, and those deals. And, you know, who a person is and how they respond to challenges is a big deal. Yeah, I, I, the E plus R plus O is, is huge in sports psychology, right? And we're all, we're all fans of that. Controlling your reaction, it's really the only thing you can control, right? And then, yeah. you know, that was a great book where he talked about above the line, below the line principles. And, man, that's, it's just really, really good stuff. I, I don't think, you know, I look back at my own college career. I look back at my coaching career. And, man, I could have used a lot of this stuff, right? I, I did have the passion. I did have the energy. But I could have used I could have used a couple of reins here and there, like, hey, easy there, Turbo. Like, we don't need to go A to Z. We don't need to go A to Z on our thought process right now. Because that, you know, I, I talk about all the time, like, us former quarterbacks, we're – everybody thinks that this is a super, like, alpha male, super confident bunch. I think we're a super insecure bunch because – constantly I thought I was going to get benched constantly. I thought they were bringing somebody in to replace me constantly. I felt like I was Aladdin my whole college career. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, man, if I, if I don't do this, like there's no way I'm going to. And I think to a certain point, that's really, really healthy because you feel that competition and you got to compete. But there were some mind tricks that I played on myself that I wish I would have had. Now I should have gone to Dr. Gordon up at Utah state and said, you know, he's always like, hey, come stop by my office sometime. And I never, I never took it up. But, man, um, controlling your reaction, that, that would have been a really, really key thing for me back when I was playing. Just controlling yeah. how you react, right? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you, you're a guy. I mean, shoot, you were All-American in junior college and threw for a million yards and had your choices of where to go. And, 
and then what you did at the next level and then in coaching even you know coaching you know pros nfl hall of famers at nc state guys like that and you know it's interesting it's such a different time you know even right now you know as we get on these calls with our athletic departments and whatnot and checking on the kids see how they're doing there's such a mental health emphasis you know, if you and I would have been going to get a soda after practice when you were playing football and I was playing basketball and, and laughing and joking like we used to do, um, and we would have talked about mental health, we'd have looked at each other and been like, what are you talking about, you know? Mental health. I don't even know that I knew what the word anxiety was, but I'm yeah. like, what's anxiety? Like, yeah. No, yeah, and, nervous, big freaking deal. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm the first one to say, hey, I'm willing to talk to anybody because that anxiety I have on game day, I want you to help me with that, you know. So it's such a different time. And, you know, we're going through that time like I was getting ready to talk about where um, our administration is so cognizant of checking on the student athletes and seeing how their mental health is. Because right now, you know, on what are we at, April 20th, Nobody is in their, in, in their comfort zone. Nobody's doing what they normally do. You know, basketball players can't just get in a gym or get in the weight room. And even go, going to class would, would probably feel pretty normal. And kids would be excited to do that just to see other kids, you know. Right. And so it's, it's such an interesting time and in how things have changed. You know, we had a young man in our program uh, pass away uh, last summer. He had just gotten done. He graduated and he passed away. He was uh, a horrible family incident where he got shot and killed. And we spent the entire season working with mental health people with two or three of our guys, you know, getting through that. If that same thing would have happened to you or I um, back in the 90s, um, there wouldn't have been a mental health person checking on us, you know. We'd have been patting each other on the back and saying, hey, toughen up, brother. You know, let's go. So yeah. it's interesting where we're at. Yeah. What, uh, what, what kinds of things are you doing with your guys? Is there daily check-ins? Is there weekly check-ins? What do you do as a coach in, in these COVID-19 times where, I mean, we've all been shocked. Our routines are all messed up right now. Yeah. You know, we got, we have the team zoom calls going once a week. And then, you know, we have, you know, all of our assistant coaches have two or three guys that, you know, position-wise or academically-wise, they're in charge of. And, and our big deal is just touch them, touch them, touch them. You know, always trying to touch them, stay in contact with them. Hey, what'd you do today? Hey, what's going on? Hey, you got that assignment done? Hey, you know, even, you know, even strength and conditioning right now, everybody's having to be so creative with, with what they're doing and just, just trying to stay connected, you know, just trying to stay connected. And there's no playbook for it right now as we're in week three or four. You know, we, we were all in Boise for the Big Sky Tournament. And, and you know, for us, we had a really good run going on. We had another good team, and we were really excited about going to Boise. And four hours before that game, you know, everything got shut down. And it was such an odd time because you didn't win and you didn't lose. It's just over. And, you know, everybody's sitting there trying to navigate. How, what, what kind of speech is that? You know, how do you tell your seniors – okay, we just won our last six games, but it's over and we're not playing anymore. And so, um, yeah, I still think we're all kind of recovering from it and figuring it out. And uh, everybody went through a weird ending. I like that. I like that phrase connecting, right? Because, uh, you know, one of the things that I've hated about this COVID-19 thing is just the, the term social distancing, right? 
Yeah. Like it's physical distancing. Socially, we should still be doing this. We should still yeah. be interacting. We should be touching each other. We should be reaching out to each other. And I, yeah. you know, when I think about if, if I was playing on a team, what would I want from a teammate is what I need to do for my teammates, right? Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear from that guy, or I'd like to hear what workouts he's doing, or I'd like to know that he's having a hard time so that I can help him out or whatever else. And it, we, we can still be very, very social. And, and thankfully, it's not 1918 in the Spanish flu. We can reach out to people, and I can talk to you in Portland, you know, and I can talk to friends all yeah. around the country where we didn't have that kind of, we didn't, I, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit awkward and it's a little bit different than what we, mm -hmm. what we've normally gone through, but at least we have these things, right? Like we have the phone, we have, we have zoom, we have some of this modern technology to ease it just a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and my whole deal is with all, with our group and our coaches is I've just been saying, Hey, don't let anybody slip through the cracks. And I, and you know, there's only 13, 14, 15 guys, but, don't anything, don't let anything slip. Don't let anybody go underground. Don't let, any, don't let anybody, you know, get in a situation where we don't know where they are or what's going on. Let's keep touching them. Let's stay connected. My, my best friend from high school, he's the, uh, you might know Tracy, Tracy Zobel, the head pro at Gladstone golf course down in Payson. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's a great buddy of mine. We were laughing because, you know, can you imagine uh, if this would have been any of our senior years in high school oh. and, and devastating. You know, not getting our not getting our, our our final spring baseball season, you know. And, and you're talking about all the technology. If this would have happened back in the late '80s or the early '90s, you know, and not getting to finish up our senior years and things like that, you know, I've really tried to be sympathetic too with our seniors as well as you know a lot of these local kids that were around just. Um, just what they're going through because it's such an odd time and it's such an ill ending for what they've, you know, you live your life for your senior year and nothing's more important than that when you're a young, dumb kid. And then all of a sudden it just ends. And I really do sympathize with them. But I, you know, I was talking to my buddy Tracy and we were just like, can you imagine if we'd have finished our basketball season and you know, whatever we did in the state tournament and then we're getting ready for baseball, which we all just played together. We went from football to basketball to baseball and it just got canceled. And then on top of that, they had said, and by the way, you guys can't see each other. You know, that's all we did is hang out with each other. So. Yeah, it's, it's, well, and I think the other thing is nobody's ever been through this, right? No. So it's not like, it's not like you go, Hey dad, in, you know, 89, when you were a senior, you know, and this happened to you, like, like nobody's been through it. There's no way for us to understand how they feel. There's no way for them to understand how we feel. And I think that's why, one of the things that I've been talking to people about is just be very forgiving of yourselves, be as forgiving as you can of others on the way that they're reacting to all this. Cause it's just, mm -hmm. it's just different and different doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be bad. Different is just different. Right. Yeah. And, and this is different. And we, yes, we need to be resilient. Yes. Like you talked about earlier, E plus R equals R the event that happens to you, which is COVID-19 plus your reaction equals the outcome we can control our reaction and we will, and we'll get through this and those, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a nice, healthy scar tissue that's left on some of these yeah. seniors. Right. And yeah. I tell people all the time, like you, you forget that when you were in high school, that was your world, right? Like you had no idea what college was going to be. You had no idea what your career was going to be, where you were going to go. 
that was your world. And so this is like a piece of their world being taken away from them. So I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think everybody needs to, you know, my advice to our guys is, you know, really try to keep some sort of schedule, you know, and, and try to check the boxes. I have, I have a journal slash book slash where, you know, I write in it every day and checklist every day and notes every day, or if I come across a play or whatever it may be that I write in every day. And, but it's got a checklist of, you know, spiritual, mental, physical, and basketball. That kind of sounds sick, but I got those four categories. You know, you still got to check your boxes. You got, still got to stay on your routine and, and make sure you're, you know, feeding yourself, you know, keeping your balance because uh, I know there's plenty of people, you know, that are, that are sitting there going, oh, I don't, I don't really need to get out of bed. What do I got? You know, and I quickly figured out after about two or three days of this that <laughs> I still needed to get up at my normal time, not the lazy time, get up, get in the shower. I mean, even, even, even my silly things that I needed to keep doing, like hop in the car and go to McDonald's and get my dollar diet Coke and get on the phone with somebody, you know, that same routine that I always do on the way to the office, because I, I was really out of sorts for a few days if I wasn't following that. And so, you know, yeah, that's I mean, what I'm doing. You're, 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 you're spot on. I mean, the science and the research is clear. We need those routines and we just have to make sure that those routines don't become rituals or superstitions. Right. But they are, <laughs> they are good for us. Right. And the difference between, I tell people all the time, the difference between a routine and a superstition or a routine and a ritual is that you're in charge of the routine and it can be flexible and it can change and it can evolve. Whereas yeah. those other things become rigid. And it's like, if I don't put my pants on this way, then I'm not going to be successful. I, I tell the story all the time. You'll like this story. When I was young, my dad was dabbling in sports psychology as the tennis coach at Utah State. And he's like, wow, so you, can't, you can't be superstitious. Like, it's really, really bad for you. You, you got to make sure that it doesn't matter if you put your left sock on or your right sock. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then what evolved out of that was I became superstitiously not superstitious. So I put my shirt on first one day, then it was my pants on the next day, then it was my sock. That was my superstition, right? And if I didn't do that, I couldn't play well. And so it's funny, we crave these routines because they're really good for us, but they got to be flexible and we got to know we're in control of them, right? And then the other thing, the other thing I like what you said is just, you know, I think we all treated like the first week of this, like the week after Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we got to get back to the week after New Year's where we're, we're like getting yeah. back into this and it's not lazy and there's no rules for the kids. There's no rules for you. You got to get yeah. back into, you got to get back into your routine. I, I, you're spot on, man. I, I love that. I love that thought. Yeah. You got, you have to find your new normal. And I think that what, you know, I think you and I will end up talking about that all spring, all summer into the fall. Like what's the new normal? No, things aren't going to be exactly the same, but what's the new normal and how are we going to still be great? How are we going to still do what we, you know, we need to do and being creative with what we're allowed to do. And, you know, we got, we got to get over feeling bad for ourselves or feeling like, Oh, we can't do this or that, or whatever, you know, you can still do a lot. And, People have been through a lot tougher stuff than this. No question. All right. I want to follow up with just uh, – I want to move from, like, Coach Peary yeah. to, like, former player Peary, like, all that kind of stuff. I, I just want to – I want to tap into you a little bit more. 
Okay. Uh, for these last three questions, and then I'll let you go. And I appreciate your time today. I really appreciate it. But yeah, this is awesome. If a group of your peers were to fill in the blank, Barrett will be successful because he is blank. What would they say? I'm talking about your senior year in high school, your freshman year in college. Um, Guys that were around you would have said what? I think people like to say relentless. Um, relentless probably gets me in trouble a little bit too. I, I get relentless at, 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 at teasing. I get relentless at, at coaching. I get relentless at competing. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think relentless would be that word. I like that word. You know, we have a hashtag every morning with our team. You know, every morning I wake up and send our team a text. It can be a quote. It can be a picture. It can be whatever it may be. And the hashtag at the bottom is never done. And, you know, there's always more to do, you know, and I think you need to be relentless in what you're doing. And so I like relentless. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's true. And I, I you know, I know you got coach face on a lot in your interviews and all that stuff, but I, I remember the relentlessness of your teasing, the relentlessness <laughs> of your softball games up in, middle of nowhere, Utah, where you're competing in every single thing that you did. And I think that's what's really attractive about you. And I'm sure that it's uh, probably confused your wife a few times about how relentless. <laughs> it's confused her. It's confused her. But she, Although she can hold her own. She can hold her own, though. She's, she not, afraid. She's not afraid to tease either. She's yeah, you good. know her. She's, she's you, good. You definitely outkicked your coverage, man. There was, I'm there a great was... recruiter. I'm a great recruiter. <laughs> okay, so um, I wanted to ask you, are there some coaches that stick out to you in your own career that maybe helped you with mental toughness or helped develop your mental toughness, you know? Um, well, I think coaches in my career is an interesting question. You know, I, we end up talking about those kind of things a lot when you do camps and clinics and things like that. I think what you do, and you, you have guys that you look up to as well, I think you take things from everybody you've worked with or looked up to or your father, your grandfather. You know, growing up, I just wanted to be my dad and my grandpa. Those were my idols, you know, and, and, and you know, then you move into high school and junior high and you look up to this coach or that coach and you take certain things from them. And, you know, your dad was a coach and, and the things that you learned from him, coaches that you looked up to, you know, and follow and watch, you know, like I, I love to, I love to follow football coaches. You know, I say, I think football is the hardest one to coach in my opinion, because of the numbers. And so one thing that I've done in basketball is, I believe in the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator and the positions coaches. And, and we do that just like football would, I hope, as far as breaking things down and the film and this and that. So we have certain voices for certain sides of the ball. And I'm surprised really that more basketball coaches don't do that, but, but I do that. And, and I, and I look up to a lot of football coaches, maybe more than, than, than basketball coaches, but you pull things that people do and that you like from, from people. And then, and then you kind of build your own self, you know, coach Evans, uh, coach Bill Evans, who's the head coach at Southern Utah for like 14 or 15 years. So I played for him and coached for him. And then he was the head coach at Idaho state for seven years until this past year, he sent me, he sent me a fax 
funny enough, but when I got the head job at CSI, I was about 32, 33 years old. He sent me a fax that said, congratulations, da, 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 you know, and in, in the end of the fax, it said, don't forget to be you and only be you because when you, when you're coaching, you know, if you try to be somebody else, it's not authentic, it's not real and you better be yourself. And it's so true. You know, when you get on that sideline and you try to be something that you're not, it's not real. You don't, you don't even feel good in your own skin. But on the flip side, and you've lived it, you know, but when you just be yourself and try to just work and compete and lose yourself in what you're trying to do, it's easy and it's authentic and it's who you are. So I don't know if I, under, uh, if I answered the question at all, but I think you just pull from a lot of different people, a lot of different experiences. Like, you know, you talk about mental toughness, like Riley, you know, when we were at Utah, um, we were coming, when we came to the University of Utah, we were coming home. And that was like, wow, what a dream. I'm coaching at the University of Utah. This guy from Payson, Utah is an assistant coach at Utah. I used to sit up in those stands with my cousin and uncle and my dad and watch uh, games with Pace Mannion and all those guys, you know. And, and, and I could tell you exactly where we used to sit. And then all of a sudden I was a coach there. And then when it ended a few years later and we got fired and we had to do something new, I remember, I, I remember exactly being on, uh, on my front lawn right there in Mill Creek, loading the trucks, and we're leaving town, and we're now moving to Ottumwa, Iowa, which is a hell of a long ways from Salt Lake City, where everybody is comfortable, my wife's family is, my family is an hour away down in Payson, and it's time to move to Ottumwa, Iowa, because it's time to feed the family, it's time to provide and support and do what we do. And that was our next place. And there was a lot of hope and there was a lot of faith and a lot of praying, trying to figure out, is this going to be okay? And I knew the basketball would be okay. Um, But when you've got your wife and and at that time, three kids, and you're loading them up and saying, okay, here we go. um, You've got to be tough and you've got to believe and you've got to, you know, you're on your knees trying to figure out, is this going to be right? Is this going to be great? Three years later, when we left there and went to Arizona State, we were 93 and eight in three years out there in Iowa. We had a lot of good, good days. And it was an incredible experience for our family, uh, spiritually, socially, just the whole experience of being away and just relying on each other and, and being our family just by ourselves. But, you know, you gain a lot of experiences. You gain a lot of toughness, mental toughness that you never knew you had, you know. And so you start talking about things that you take from guys or experiences. You know, sometimes you don't know, even though you had that in you. Like my wife and I didn't know we had that in us. We didn't. That was so far out of our comfort zone and our realm. It was like, dang. And not only did we have it in us, but it was unbelievable. Yeah, you had to dig deep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So advice that you would give to yourself 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Uh, gosh, that's a great question. I think, I think the biggest thing would be, you know what, don't be afraid, just ripping and run and go, you know, uh, I mean, just, just, just go after it, just go hard. There's no right or wrong answer. You know, there's no perfect job. There's no perfect place. You know, as, as we talked about a long time ago with all of our travels, we think about some of the places that we've been, whether it was Santa Clara or Arizona state or Iowa or university of Utah, we look at those and we go, can you imagine if we wouldn't have been at those places? 
I remember when I first got into coaching, when I was grad assistant for Coach Evans at Southern Utah 25 years ago, pulling out the media guides. You know, now nobody even does media guides because it's all just online. But pulling out media guides and looking at coaches that were my age now, now and being like, man, that guy's been at like eight places. Like, what's wrong with that guy? You know, because <laughs> you really don't understand. You don't get it, you know. And now I'm a guy, I've been nine places in 25 years. And I look at it and go, man, I'm thankful for every single place we've been. Look at those experiences. Look what we've learned. Look at the relationships that we have. And look how we grew. You know, look how we grew. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love the story. I love it. Uh, any any last advice that you would give to anybody that's going through COVID-19 or having a hard time right now trying to deal with all this unknown and all the different things that are going on? You know, I think you got to really look in the mirror every single morning and, and find your routine, find what's going to be important to you. Um, I love books, and, and you and I know that. We, we try to share titles and things like that, but I love books, and so I'm, I'm trying to read like nine books all at one time right now and then also help my kids with their homework and recruit and I'm, I'm walking around the neighborhood talking on the phone trying to find a quiet place to to call recruits and things like that but try to find your routine you know and maybe it's a new routine you know it's got to be a new routine you don't get to go to the office you don't get to go to the court or to the field or whatever it may be so find your routine get up I mean I know so many people aren't setting an alarm anymore <laughs> you know set an alarm set your alarm get up get your shower get your run whatever you do and get on your new routine because I think it's going to have people out of sorts. And I think it's a challenge. And I think we need to get back to finding what our new normal is. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Hey man, I appreciate your time today. It's been really good to reconnect. I know we haven't, we haven't talked a ton since you were at the university of Utah, but uh, you're still the same old guy. We appreciate your words of wisdom. And uh, thanks again for participating in our, uh, in our mindset leadership conference this year and hopefully we'll do this year after year after year and I can find a little bit of your time to do some of this stuff so no I love reconnecting I, I try to listen to your stuff it's great and appreciate all your efforts and uh, yeah people should dive into your stuff for sure because there's there's little tidbits in there that really can get you through the day and and that, that's true hey man I really appreciate it we'll talk to you soon thanks, bro. thanks again thanks. man all yeah. right man see you. Uh, mm -hmm.